0: You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose. On the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three of the program. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan at the bottom of the hour. Brendan Parker, Flames TV host. Flames getting ready to play the scorching hot New Jersey Devils tonight in the Swamp Flames. Losers of five straight Devils. Have won six in a row. By the way, find our show where, where you find your,
1: your podcasts. On your favorite podcatcher. Yeah. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, or MySpace. Okay. Uh, do that. Uh, by the way,
0: we're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey Basement Systems Studio. They specialize in foundation repairs and everything basement-y, serving Calgary and Southern Alberta since 1990. Two um, flames lost last night in overtime to the Islanders four to three. Probably the best first period, I'd say, of the season, Dare I say, of the season last night for the Calgary Flames because they dominated the Islanders, outshooting them eighteen to three. The one chance the Islanders literally had in the entire period was in the back of Calgary's net, thanks to Matthew Barzell. Yep. But the Flames were an absolute wagon in that first period last night against the Islanders, and yet another blown lead, Maddie, which lately this fan base is just not accustomed
1: to seeing this team do. Well, last year when the Flames had a team that won the Pacific Division and went into the postseason feeling good, obviously got knocked out in the second round, but one of the keys was just one third period lead blown all regular season long. And now after yesterday, the Flames have now gone up to three of them. And obviously that's pretty disappointing, uh, especially when you're kind of allowing goals and bunches. Like we saw Daryl Sutter have to call his timeout after that second one yesterday. And even then it didn't really feel like it kind of calmed down the flames too much. Like it, it's crazy. And, and you brought it up earlier. The Islanders are a team that are one of the top third period scoring teams in the league. But the way that this team has been able to not really withstand those kind of desperate barrages from the opposite team as the clock winds down. Surprising, disappointing, troubling. I would use all three of those words to describe that trend. Uh, Poll questions up at George Russick, at Matt Rose YYC. Outside of the
0: blown leads, of course, what concerns you the most during the Flames five-game slide, injuries on the blue line, penalty kill, power play, Top six wingers, one vote shy of two hundred. Top nice. six winners still. Top six wingers still. Fifty-two point three percent of our listeners say it's the top six. And right now, uh, we 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 sang the praises of the DNA line uh, for the majority of this season so far with Kadri, Dubé, and Majapani. But last night, especially in the first period, I thought that line was invisible. And we're not seeing, or I'm not seeing. I, I want you to get. I want to hear your take on this. What happened to Dubé's speed? He, he was using his speed a lot more uh, in, in the few, first few games of the season, and then all of a sudden, he's kind of disappeared. Are teams neutralizing his speed? Is, 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 he, is he not getting into open spaces? why has Dylan Dubé struggled here lately? I can't put my
1: finger on it. One of the things that I've seen in the last little bit here from Dylan is maybe just some decisions with the puck that are either rushed or just just aren't, aren't necessarily the, the decision that you want to make in a certain spot. And early on in the season, he and Manjapani and Kadri were, they were zipping it around. It was pretty tic-tac-toe some of those days, uh, those first few games when that line was together. And I just feel like he doesn't have the puck as much. When he does, he's maybe making a mistake turning it over. Like, he he did turn the puck over on that first goal for the Islanders in the first period that led to the four-on-three rush, the nice pass by Matt Barzell. So maybe that's a little bit of it. You know, a lot of their game, especially, you know, Dubé with the speed, it, it starts with good, hard checking in your own end, causing a turnover and, and trying to use your speed to spring an odd man rush the other way and he's got a good shot that he can use that. I think we've still seen him um, utilize whenever he's had an opportunity, but I, I'd also say that, yeah, there's, there's been instances these last couple of games where, you know, I, I felt that the team probably needed a winger, but I wasn't sure, you know, where the right slot would be to bring in somebody. And I never thought it was Dubé's spot to start the year. That really felt like a line that could click. But obviously, when there's guys who are kind of coming into their the prime of their career, you have to be able to do it consistently. And I do wonder about that.
0: Manjapani has two goals on the season. Any concerns? that is it Or is it just a slow start? Because seemingly, I'm not saying the chances he was getting... Early on in the season, now, the last few games. Well, this
1: is another line that, like, in transition, they've got speed and they can create that way. We know kadri has got great hands and, and he can do some some pretty nasty stuff in that sense. But this is also a group that probably, when they're playing at their absolute best, is putting pucks deep, getting a good hard forecheck going, trying to get that cycle going. Like, Andrew Mangiapani scored 35 goals, not with some ridiculous wrist shot that he can score from distance. Like this is a guy who cleans up the garbage. He gets around the net and he gets grimy with it. He can sometimes extend around the goaltender and kind of slide pucks in that way, but that's how he kind of makes his, makes his money, right? That's how he scores his goals. Now, the other thing concern for two on the season, perhaps, but, You know, 35 last season didn't feel like that was going to be necessarily the new medium for him. Like, that felt like that was probably top of the ceiling for goal output from a guy like Andrew Mangiapane. To me, he feels more like a 25 to 30 guy. Uh, So I'm not overly concerned. Like, it's the same thing with the rest of the team. Like, yes, there's troubling instances that have to be changed, have to be fixed. But is that where I'm looking and saying, oh, he's only got two goals. Like if he figured out how to score, the team would completely turn around. Nah, not necessarily. I just think that maybe there's a lot of guys on that team right now who are kind of questioning their decisions when they have the puck. Like there's just a lot of instances where guys aren't, you know, at the top of the year, they look confident, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily see that in... Man, Japony or Dubé's game right now. Uh, confidence is an interesting
0: word because uh, the first two periods last night they were flying, and then the third period I just felt like they were hanging on for dear life, trying to finally snap this ugly uh, five games uh, four game skid, which is now a five game slide for the Calgary Flames, and not having a shot for over ten minutes in the third period. Is an issue and that's what i kind of felt like they just did last night they were just hanging on for dear life yep and went away from what they were doing so effectively in the first two periods uh was being aggressive on both sides of the ice and we just didn't see that last night in the third period
1: i call it bailing out hockey because it's like you're in a boat and you're in a lake and your boat's got holes in it okay and you got one bucket but there's too many holes And as much as you can try and scoop the water out, it is kind of a a problem that is only or it's a solution to your problem for a very temporary amount of time. And I felt in the third period the Flames were doing that. They had their bucket out. They were trying to empty the water out of the boat. And every time they felt like they were getting in the right direction, they'd go for a change. And while they were changing, the Islanders would bring it right back into their zone. And all of a sudden you're bailing water again. You're never able to get anything going offensively because you spend the entire shift trying to defend, get all tired, use up all your energy. And then as soon as you can get the puck over the red line, it's dump, change, and let the next group try and do the exact same thing. Because the Islanders are coming back at you with speed. And at that point, they were feeling it, man. Like, they were moving the puck around really well. I said it earlier in the show. I thought three of the best chances for the Islanders all missed the net. But Markstrom was good. Mm-hmm. But but that's kind of the way I saw it in the third period. They were trying to bail out hockey. At at that point, what you need is you need someone to come off the bench, win a battle, and get an offensive zone faceoff. Try and get an icing. Try and get anything like that just so you can stop the bleeding. So you can get some sticky tack and plug it in a couple of holes and give yourself an actual chance to bail this thing out and get that boat back, back to shore. Uh, I thought the top
0: line was good last night. Outside of maybe that third period, I thought Huberto looked like he had a ton
1: of jump. Much better than the game on Saturday where everything that hit his stick was a hand grenade.
0: I I love that the fact that uh, he caused that traffic in front on the Lindholm deflection goal. Uh, Of course, he didn't get an assist on that, but he was a big part of the reason why that puck went into the net. And Lindholm, I thought, had a lot of extra jump last night, too.
1: Yeah, I thought he was very good. Uh, the play by Huberto on the recovery for the first goal, long shift for him. He stays out there a little bit longer in the Ozone, eventually sets up Backlund for the game's opening goal, and I think it was the second chance that he found Backlund wide open in the slot. First one blocked, second one goes in the net. So right off the bat, you had a feeling that the the Flames were jumping. Like Huberto set Toffoli up for a nice little rush chance on their very first shift that Toffoli skied over the net. So you had... Your opportunities, but at the same time, in the third, when you kind of needed your top guys to, like I mentioned, take over a shift, switch momentum the other way, stop the bleeding in those last 10 minutes of the third period, didn't feel like there was a shift where I was like, yeah, okay, now, now you're good, right? Now you're safe. Now you feel comfortable. Now you get the offensive zone draw. You know, you don't have the fourth line trapped out there against Matt Barzell and the top pair for the Islanders. You don't have to deal with any of that. So, I don't know. They they were they were good. It was a step in the right direction for that group, including Tyler Toffoli. But in those last ten minutes—that's where I kind of look at your studs and I go, "You got to seal that one out." Um, I, I wanted to ask you this. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I find that there's instances where the Flames get lulled to sleep by specific teams so far this season, where. All of a sudden, you see a bit of a lifeless effort from the Flames. There's not enough juice on the team. Is that where they're missing Matthew Kachuk? Because he would do some knucklehead stuff and get the other team fired up. And that would have a a direct effect on what the Flames would do, sticking up for their teammate. Because in, in a game like that, it feels like Matthew Kachuk would just do something to get his team going. Be it something really offside, really stupid but he would still get his team going. I feel like, yeah, you can say Nazem Kadri's that guy, but he's not that guy as much as he was at the beginning of his career that he is now because he's more of an offensive player, and that's what makes Nazem Kadri so great and was such a key part of that Avalanche Stanley Cup winning team. But are they missing that, that X factor that was Matthew Kachuk to stir up some S to wake up the team in spots where maybe uh, they fall asleep during games?
1: Perhaps. Um, like, I also wonder uh, if Matthew Kachuk's bit kind of had run a little sour with some guys as it went on. Like, he was playing online with Elias Lindholm and Johnny Gaudreau. It's not like those were the guys first into the scrum any time that Matthew Kachuk started to, to stir it up a little bit. And frankly, as as the periods or as the years went on, um, Kachuk didn't necessarily do that so much. Like, this last year, he was much more an offensive guy. He wasn't... Do it like the little stuff like we saw from Jonathan Quick the other night, those type of things. I would agree that the Flames don't have somebody who is that much of a shirt disturber, if yeah. you will. Um, but there's guys that can do it. Like we see it from Weger from time to time. He likes to step up on guys. The Dorov has shown that he can be quite physical. Kadri's an interesting one because I really feel like he has to almost feel like someone has slighted him, and then he's like, all right, you started this, now I'm going to end it, Mm -hmm. that type of thing, whereas earlier in his career, like you mentioned, it was just free-for-all all all the time, whereas now it feels like he kind of has to, you kind of have to poke the bear before you get that, and I like that because that kind of keeps him grounded, and like you mentioned, he's become a much more potent offensive player. You want to use that, but I, I understand your point. I don't know if it's something that I'm like, Truculence, more toughness. These guys need some grit. Like, I don't, that's not how I feel. Um, I think they've got guys that can do it, but I I understand where you're coming from. Like, the one instance that stands out for me in that sense was the four on four play uh, against the Devils on Saturday. And it didn't amass to anything. But during that four-on-four session, it really felt like a lot of going through the motion. And then at the very end, Zadorov just turned the puck over in his own defensive zone and created an opportunity for the Devils. Mm -hmm. I feel like there are instances like that. I don't know if there's someone in the organization that kind of would be that guy to get you all engaged and that type of stuff. Like I think they've got the players to do it. I just wonder if, the opportunity hasn't arisen or whatever that might be. Like, this is also another team that has kind of been on the tough end of penalties. And I wonder if sometimes guys are like, well, if I do that, I'm going to put my team shorthanded. And we've had a lot of trouble in those situations.
0: Uh, Again, the, the the Anderson penalty is inexcusable Yeah. Uh, last night. There's no question. And we're getting a lot of, uh, I see this pretty much every day we do a show. We talk flames, a Shillington's a name that keeps coming up. Mm -hmm. And obviously uh, they they miss him on the blue line, and who knows when he's coming back. And then it'll take a while for him to be effective, uh, missing training camp. It, it's not easy just to jump back into an NHL blue line and be an effective player. Like, it's going to take a while before that guy snaps back into being himself. Whatever is going on with him off the ice right now, which is clearly something very serious because he has yet to join the team. But the more I watch this team and the more I see performances last night in New York, um, they need a, They need another top six winger and this needs to happen soon because I know it's early. I know it's now only 11 games into the season, but you certainly can't win the Pacific division in the first 11 games. But if things go south here quickly, all of a sudden they're in trouble. Like, uh, they have the red hot New Jersey devils tonight. Um, they play the Bruins on Thursday and then, yeah, I know they got the jets at home, but the jets are off to a half decent start. And it's still that Canadian thing, Hockey Night in Canada. I get it. Yep. But uh, they need another top six winger on this team. And that needs to happen sooner than later because you don't want this thing to, to start to get out of reach.
1: Well, look at the start for Vegas, right? Even Seattle. Seattle's won four in a row. Vegas has won seven in a row. They're at the top of their division. Vegas, granted, has played two more games more than the Flames, but they've already got 10 more points. Like, the, don't get me wrong. They're one of the best teams in the league, but... Further to your point, you don't want to be here in three weeks and saying, wow, the division is pretty much out of hand. Like, the playoffs aren't, but the division could very well be. You you need to make up some ground here. And listen, one of the parts for the Flames' season early on last year where they had a lot of great success was their trip through the East. And like we talked about, the first 40 minutes were very good. You got to close it out. You did end up getting a point. Daryl was happy about that. And against the Eastern Conference opponent, you know, obviously you'd prefer to have two, but you don't necessarily mind that it's the Islanders who get the extra one in you know, in in the race type of standings. It's At not a like the conference it, is fine. Yeah, it's not like you did it to the, the Jets who might end up being in a wildcard team with you, or the Kings who might end up being in a divisional race with you. It's not one of those. But you gotta get this thing sorted out. And now you got the devils, you know what they're about. Yeah, very upset about how the last game went. Devils haven't played anybody since that game if I'm not mistaken. So this is this is the big one. You I'm I'm right there with you. You you don't win the division, you don't make the playoffs in the first month of the season, but you can do some damage that can really set you back. And right now it it really does feel like a team that's kind of teetering. Like once again, said it a lot over the last couple of years. Playing in the Pacific probably helps. When you look at the Canucks, Ducks, and Sharks, you know the Canucks had an awful start. That put them behind the eight ball. The Ducks and Sharks aren't going to be very good this season throughout the entirety of the year. You only have to jump two more teams to get into the playoffs. And
0: this is an instance where it doesn't really matter if the Flames win the Pacific Division, just get into the postseason. Big time. Right?
1: I, I completely agree.
0: Because, uh, yeah, you could be a wildcard team, and you might have to play a team like the Avalanche in the first round, which you clearly don't want to. But, or Vegas. Or Vegas. But uh, you're going to
1: have to beat them eventually, which is always the way I look right. at it. Right, it
0: doesn't matter, as long as you just get into the dance. And that's something that I've heard a lot during the post-game shows, too, is that uh, last year there was too much onus placed on the regular season. And then come playoff time kind of faded out a little bit, it's It's been the story, the Flames lately. Obviously, Ottinger was so incredible uh, in that series against the Stars. But it's all about what this team looks like in the playoffs. And I still think if, if you're listening and, and you watched the game last night, that's one thing as the roster is currently constructed that I am really interested to see what this team looks like in the playoffs because we know that guys like Goudreau disappeared in the playoffs. The guys they brought in now, Kadri is a guy who doesn't disappear in the playoffs. In fact, he's so into the playoffs, he loses his head, and he's been suspended multiple times and has done a lot of questionable things in the playoffs that maybe warrants a suspension. That, that's going to be great to see what that guy is going to bring to the table to sure. the Calgary Flames come postseason time. But I keep going back to this. you got to go out there and you got, you got to address this top six winger spot because that's going to move a lot of guys down the lineup who should be playing in their spots because we just talked about Dubay; Is that guy should be a third-line winger at this point of his career? Maybe. And I I wouldn't mind him with Coleman and Backlund. I think, I think that'd be a very nice third line. You add a little more speed to that line as well, which is great. They need, they need another top six winger on this team. How do you go get it? I know they're very cap strong right now. That's an issue too. And they're all, and and a lot of fans are still pining for Shillington, but they need another top six winger on this team, be it a guy who's going to bring a physical presence. What I do know is they need somebody with some speed because, uh, is speed an issue on this team? It didn't look like it in the first two periods last night on the
1: island, but it did in the third. Yeah, and I I see that. Like it, I'm, the one thing for me when it, with the speed factor is I continue to go back to like you can. The Blues were not the fastest team when they won the Stanley Cup. The Lightning had good speed, but you look at their 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 depth guys like. They had that humongous line with Perry and, and Maroon. Those guys aren't necessarily the most fleet of foot. It's just about the chemistry and being able to move the puck, being in smart places, making sure that your forecheck is on point. And I just feel like they've kind of gotten away from certain parts of their game. Yes, it would be great if you could upgrade somebody within the top six, but this is also a team that is cap strapped. So if you're doing that, all of a sudden you're looking at maybe moving out one of those bodies. You know, Dylan Dubé is a guy who makes $2.3 million. You don't really have any other cap space that you can alleviate on this roster Right now, unless you find, like, especially with the value that you're getting from a guy like Milan Lucci, I know that the cap hit is too high for what he's doing for you. But I think that the coach likes having him there. Brett is another guy. Like, I think that fourth line is something the team likes right now for the role that they have. It's tough, right? Because the only thing, too, is if you're the Flames, you're not dealing from a, a position of leverage. Groups that know, okay, you want a winger. You need a winger. You're up against the cap. You don't necessarily, like, if you're the Flames, do you want to trade your first-round pick right now? You're not in a playoff spot, and it's deep draft? Mm. I wouldn't. No way I'm trading that first-round pick. You get a franchise player in the middle of that draft.
0: It looks like, because it's really deep, but at the same time, team's ready to win now, but the amount of contracts you just handed out to Huberto and Kadri, uh, this is going to be the group you're going to be going with Uh, for the long, long term here in Calgary.
1: Yeah, I agree. But I just, I don't know if they have the capital to make a deal happen now for someone that would come in and have the right type of impact on this team, right? Like, And maybe it's an exercise that we dive into on an off day, but who, who are we targeting here, right? Like, are we going after free agents? Is it players with term? Is Tyler Toffoli someone that, could maybe be that guy to move make a little bit of money work as well. What about your first round pick? Yeah, like I I'm I'm not moving the first round pick in twenty twenty three. I know it is a very deep draft. I know Bucal has said that a lot. That but this is he, a star you you're get. You're out of a playoff spot right now and you've lost five straight. You're not trading yeah. your first round pick. Okay, but it's it's th- this team can't miss the playoffs. I agree with you. I don't think they're going to.
0: No, but right. But that that's not an option missing the playoffs right now. The way the, the way how aggressive Tree was in the offseason. Sure. After those two guys were gone, missing the playoffs is not an option for this team. It's a win now. And you have a guy in Markstrom who's one of the best goaltenders on the planet. Yes. Give him some help. And he needs to be better in the postseason, obviously. And you need to you need to um lighten his workload a little bit because I would imagine Vladar's gonna start in that tonight. Uh, in New Jersey against the Devils, but this team is built to win the Stanley Cup now. Or and, in the next couple of years. Right. So if you're going to trade the first-round pick to what uh, Patrick Dumont just said, maybe you'd use that first-round pick for somebody with some term that isn't just a rental. Maybe yeah. not trade your first-round pick for a rental, but maybe trade it for somebody with term. And, this, and the one guy that keeps popping up, and to me... I know injuries has been an issue, but wouldn't Josh Anderson fit like a glove on this team? A guy who can score goals, a guy who's physical, a guy who knows how to win in the playoffs, and skates like
1: the wind. I would not give up my first-round pick for Josh Anderson for five years of Josh Anderson because, A, you have to make the money work. He's at, what, five and a half? So what are you moving out to make that work? Are you giving up someone on your blue line? Because to make that work, you're going to have to give up someone plus to make just to make the dollars work in itself. Yeah, but you you can finagle the
0: salary cap. You can add another team involved to take some money. How much of like, like you you can do that uh right now uh if if you're the Calgary Flames. So yeah, Anderson has 4 years left after this season oh. at 5.5 million dollars, but he's only
1: 28 years old. But he how what was the last time he played a full season? Like I understand he's only 28, but what about Travis Konechny? Travis Konechny is another guy that's intriguing to Three me. Three years but, left at five and a half. But once again, do I want to move my first round pick right now for that guy? Mm, I'm having a hard time doing it. it. It's definitely a hole in the roster
0: right now. It's definitely something that needs to be addressed. Uh, th- there's no question about that. Flames and Devils tonight from the Swamp Uh the, the, the coverage gets going at 2 o'clock. The Pat Steinberg Telethon. 2 o'clock talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. Uh, straight ahead, uh, Brendan Parker, Flames TV host, will join us. And uh, I think we'll play a little more Jim Irsay and get some more of your texts. Some good ones. From the Jim Irsay clip that we, uh, that we had earlier on uh, in the show. I don't know the, how to make sausage. Yep. I don't know what goes into sausage. Me either. neither. But I do know how to build a football team. There you go. Uh, keep those texts. Rolling in like this one. I don't know what a, what's a hot tub. I don't know what a jacuzzi is, but I do know how to party. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, Nick, in, Nick in Calgary. I don't know what goes into a football team. I don't even know how to build a football team, but I do know how to make a sausage. <laughs> there you go, Nick.
1: Nice little barber there. There you go. I don't know how a toilet works or where any of the stuff that goes in it goes, but I do know not to open my mouth in a public pool. Yeah, that's... Correct and really
0: gross at the same time. Keep those rolling in 960-960 name and location. We'll tee up the Flames game with Brendan Parker next. Big show, Russic and Rose. Sportsnet 960 the Fan. You're listening to the big show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 the Fan. The big show, Russic and Rose. Sportsnet 960 the Fan joining you live. From the Doug Lacey Basement Systems Studios.
1: Man, I wish you guys could watch us sometimes. What was that? Your robot?
0: I can't I can I can only booze dance. I told you that. you this. do like
1: white man wedding dancing?
0: Why don't I see I didn't bite my lip, which is good. But <laughs> I once I have the shots of tequila going, yeah. it lubes up my hips. Oh and then I'm ready for them to move. Mmm. Gotta get that lubricant in. Yeah. Reep, reep. Gotta get <laughs> gotta get that lube in. Um, outside of blowing that five-goal lead, or sorry, uh, five-game slide. <laughs> five-goal
1: lead? <laughs> may, maybe
0: it's a precursor tonight. Oh, God. Please don't, don't blow do that. a five-goal lead do tonight. That. Don't do that. Uh, what are some of the things uh, that's most concerning to you uh, during this five-game? Losing streak, injuries on the blue line, penalty kill, power play, top six wingers, poll questions up at George Russick, at Matt Rose YYC, at Sports at 960. We'll wrap up the poll question. At the end of the show. But right now, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. For the first time on the show, uh, we say good morning to Brendan Parker, Flames TV host. Brendan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, fellas. How are we doing? Good. Where are you in beautiful New Jersey right now? And how striking is it? And how beautiful the scenery is, is in New Jersey?
2: Well, we uh, we just passed over the bridge. We're now uh, we're at the we're at the Prudential Center. So we just just strolled in. Uh, Jersey is wrapping up what looks to be a, an optional skate here, mm. and uh, and we got a nice little a nice little uh, tour of of New Jersey and Newark as we uh, as we toured mm. over this morning. Mm. Yeah, very jealous of you. It's that's beautiful for sure. here, though. I, I I know that you guys are dealing with some some snow so scenery or not the uh, the weather has been a real okay. treat here I'll, I'll say that
1: yeah the tractors were out uh and getting sure the the roads were all clear and whatnot uh so that's that's what we're dealing with here it's great but uh how's how's the vibe around the team uh after yesterday's tough lo- another blown lead and and honestly a very troubling trend here over the last 10-ish days.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, obviously well, a lot of disappointment last night leaving that building with only one point. But, but I think in some ways, you know, it's still, it's still optimistic in the fact that, um, you know, they played a really good hockey game last night. And, and aside from, you know, a few minutes span there in that third period, you know, and I even thought that after that, after the tying goal, you know, obviously they called the timeout, you know, they, they did settle things down and it turned into just a really well played third period on both sides uh, entertaining hockey game. But I think more, more than anything, I mean, you you came away from that game after the first 40 minutes of it and and thinking like that's the team that we saw for the better part of the year last year, you know, where they were controlling play, you know, possession, uh, second and third offensive chances, just kind of holding the zone. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's disappointing. No question to see what happened in that third period and losing a two goal lead. Um, because that is so uncharacteristic from this group, uh, you know, from last season, especially, I mean, obviously we've seen it a couple of times here this year, but, but more than anything, I think you're probably taking away, you know, especially if you're in that group, uh, the fact that you, you finally played a game that, that looked looked dominant at times and, and looked kind of how you want to play, play your style of game. And, and maybe that's something you can build on here tonight. You still got a point, which, which is important because, you know, you got it to overtime, despite the momentum really starting to, to really go downhill there. But, um, you know, I, I, no question, there is a lot of disappointment, but I think um, optimistic in the fact that that's, that's their type of game, and we saw it for, for more often than we than not last night.
1: Michael Backlin sat down for the majority of the third period Saturday night against the Devils, comes out, scores that goal in the first period on the nice setup from Hubert and then the wrist shot later, just an absolute laser in the second period to give the Flames a 3-1 lead. What did you make of his bounce back?
2: Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, he talked about it after the game and said, you know, that was that was Saturday night. This was this was Monday night. Two completely separate things. One didn't lead to the other. And, and I, to be honest, you know, and I, I kind of agree with him when you kind of look at, you know, that stance, because he's been really good for this team this year. I mean, uh, just the way that he's played and and hit the position on the ice, obviously, the centerman is so important. And, you know, you can look at his face offs. It started there. Uh, you know, I think he's still I think he's just under fifty five percent right now, but there was a time there where he was, you know, hovering closer to sixty percent like and with him, you know, that as a centerman, that that starts everything. He's been really good for this team. And I think last night we saw right back to where he was uh for the you know, the first probably seven, eight games of the season. And uh, you know, he this team is so much better when Michael Backlund is at his best because he does so much for you both offensively when he's feeling it, like we saw last night, I mean, when, when he's got the puck on his stick and he's confident offensively, those are the types of things that Backlund can do for you. And, and I thought, uh, you know, that was a really good night for him on both sides of the puck. I thought that line has really been kind of coming along at different times here. Blake Coleman's had some chances and, you know, obviously he potted one here recently too, but uh, Michael Backlund was a really good player for this team last night. And I think, you know, when they get, that kind of play from their center Iceman, which they did from Lindholm and Kadri, you know, does what he does. You know, this team is going to be in a really good spot more often than not.
0: Brendan, how weird is it to see this team so play tentative in the third period? I know the Islanders are one of the best third period, the best third period team in the NHL, but I felt like uh, it was such a a night and day comparison to the first two periods and then how they were kind of holding on for dear life in the third.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think... You know, we we asked the question, or I I believe it was asked post-game, just about when you're in the middle of a slide like you are, you know, does it feel like these things stack up quicker? Because I think that's kind of the one thing you think of, right, is when when things are going well, that doesn't doesn't get to you maybe, that doesn't uh, hit you the same way. But when you're going through a stretch like you are right now, you're almost waiting for something bad to happen. I don't know if that's exactly the case for this team, but, you know, it's a two-goal lead. And that building exploded last night. I mean, we'd know Islanders fans and you could just kind of sense that they just that one goal kind of changed. Now they were coming on before they got the 3-2 goal, but you could tell that the building just exploded after that point. And, you know, again, I full credit to be able to weather the storm after the 3-3 goal, because it felt heavy there at that time. You know, as a visitor, that building was on top of you and 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 it was snowballing and, and they were able to kind of weather it down. But you know, there's no question that right now you're, you're fighting it a little bit, and I think you know you're doing a lot of good things, but it's been hard to put together that full 60-minute performance. I don't know that we've seen it. I think maybe last night was as close as they've come uh, for mm-hmm. quite some time. Yeah. But you're, you're still having moments in games where there's been some mistakes, some some coverage mistakes, and some turnovers at inopportune times, and it's and it's costing you. And it's not just costing you a good goal; it's costing you a point, or in some cases, both points. And that's. That's an area that they've they've been fighting here early on this season and uh, it's not been a complete train wreck like let's let's get that sorted out right now it's 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 moments in games and that's how fine a detail it is in this league when you know you can play that type of game last night and still lose um, you know I it's something they're gonna have to figure out here and, and particularly in the third period but the only way you can do it is get back into those positions put yourself in that spot with good starts and and close a couple out and, and it'll be quickly forgotten.
1: How um, big of a step has Nikita Zadorov taken this season in your eyes?
2: You know, it's interesting because you know, right from training camp on, you know, he was pointed out by Daryl Sutter fairly early on uh, as a guy that, that came in taking another step right from the start and you know, I think it was Kurt Muller that pointed out you know, that they were, they were bringing it up to him and talking about these conversations just about how they felt like he was already in preseason kind of further along than what they saw for, you know, parts of last season. And I think, you know, he's taken that from whatever he did over the off season came in here, you know, second year with the club and he wanted to be here. This is a team, you know, we talked to him in the off season when he signed and he was back home in, in Florida where he spends his off season. And and this was a group he wanted to be part of. He wanted to come back here. He wanted to take another step. He felt like, you know, this was a really good fit for him. And and obviously the club agreed and, and felt like he was a good fit for, uh, for their blue line as well. And, and, and I think we've seen that there's a level of comfort with them in the, in the position. Uh, obviously the growth has been exponential and, you know, he's a guy that for his size skates really well. Um, you know, we've seen the physicality and how that can change. That can then allow guys who are attacking their zone to think twice. He just adds a different uh, element, a different dynamic on your blue line. And, the fact that he's been able to get up into the play, get up on the rush and score a couple of goals this season, I mean, he's got three, he had four all of last season. You know, he, he really does add another dynamic. And the fact that, you know, Chris Tanev hasn't played here the last few nights has allowed him to be a steady top four defenseman. We've seen career high in minutes from him, you know, the last couple of nights. And, and he's thriving in it. And I think any defenseman or most will tell you that the more they play, the better they feel. But I think we're really seeing that right now from Nikita Zdorov as a guy that's getting a chance to play some big minutes and really thriving with the opportunity. So
1: I'm trying to see a little bit of a silver lining here and, and probably something more so for perhaps the back half of the season. We don't know the timeline on Chris Tana. We don't know the timeline on Michael Stone. We don't know the timeline on Oliver Shillington. Um, but hypothetically, with the way that Weger and Zadorov have played together for the last you know week or so, ideally, if Shillington and Tana have come back, all of a sudden you're looking at a pretty tidy top six um, that I think is is kind of the the hallmark of the team that we had talked about all off season, and we haven't even been able to see it yet. So that's kind of a silver lining I'm looking at. Do you do you see something similar?
2: Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I think I think the fact that you have the depth you have, um, I mean, it's it, it, no question that going through this type of injury, these type of injuries, and these type of uh, you know depth problems early on. This season is uh, is arduous, right? I mean, it's been some heavy minutes on some guys here, but luckily you've had, you know, a stretch in your schedule where there's been some holes and guys have had some time to get some rest. But but, you know, hopefully they there aren't long term on on either front. But if you looked at defensively, just where it goes from one to eight, I think at the start of the season, you know, you were extremely pleased with how it lined up for you and you're kind of putting that to the test right now. You're giving some guys an opportunity that you you hadn't planned on it. I mean, Connor Mackey's going to get some regular minutes here now, and he's going to get an opportunity to, to, you know, sink his teeth into some regular NHL action, and, you know, that's good for him, and and eventually you're going to get these bodies back, and you're going to be in a really good spot, but uh, as of right now... You know, you got four guys who are kind of logging the bulk of the minutes right now. I think Hannafin had a career high in minutes last night, and it's kind of spread out the last two nights of guys who've played minutes that they haven't reached at their NHL careers yet. And you know, and I think they've done a really good job. I mean, Daryl pointed out last night, I think after the game, that um, you know, it, it's not for a lack of not for a lack of try. Everybody's working hard, but he maybe saw a little bit of, a little bit of the wear of the minutes uh, at different parts of the third period, and that could be part of it. But I think, for the most part, they have done a tremendous job in the position that they've been uh, they've been put in. And you know, I think the pairings, the way they're set up, without the likes of all you mentioned and Chillington and Stone and Canav, I think uh, particularly that top four has done a has done a really nice job here so far. And hopefully, they don't have to uh, you know run those minutes up too much longer. But you know, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how they uh, how they work with it. And and I think once they get all those bodies back. You know, right from the start of training camp, we all talked about it. Uh, this this back end, that'll be the strength of this team. And if it's all healthy, uh, there's no no reason why it shouldn't.
0: Flames TV host, uh, Brendan Parker, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We talked about it before he jumped on, Brendan. Is there still a hole here in the top six on the wing? It feels like the, the Calgary Flames and maybe last night was another example that... Yeah, they do need to make a move to address that spot.
2: Yeah, I think I think uh, you know Brad Living talked about it at the start of the year that that is something, an area that you you'd like to try to you know look at or address at some point. Um, but uh, but I don't see it as a need, an immediate need. I, I think it's something that you kind of want to see and, and let it develop. I mean, it's been good here to see you know Dylan Dube and Andrew Moncipani and Nazim Kadri put back together again. I, I really like that trio from the start of the season and. Um, you know, let, let these lines develop some chemistry. I, I still think that, um, you know, there's an opportunity here to go through some things. I mean, you got some new faces here that maybe we underestimated how long it'll take to kind of really start to be a cohesive unit. And I think you know, we've seen we've seen sections of chemistry developing, um, but at the same time, you know, you got a full season here. We got, It's a long way in. I know that every loss feels like, you know, the ceiling's coming in, but you know there's still some time here this is only game 12 here tonight and uh i would really like to know like what the group is what it looks like and, and really find out if there is a hole where is it and and i don't think there's any immediate need i think this this team still has the pieces it it needs to be a real competitive team and uh and sure you can always there's no team in the national hockey league that that wouldn't like to add something you know somewhere to their lineup add a little depth add a little you know, a little bit more skill or a little bit more grit, wh- whatever it might be. Uh, I still don't know for sure that that we know exactly what that looks like with this group. I think you still got to let it play out a little bit. Still let guys have longer looks, longer opportunities in, in, in prominent roles, and then and then see where you where you might look at later on down the season.
1: So what's going on in New Jersey today? Going to just uh, putz around a little bit, hang out, go down to the the water. I don't know what's in New Jersey. The
0: Turnpike? You're know. you gonna take a ride on the Turnpike?
2: Go for a wander? Yeah, I, think, I think there'll be a couple of Turnpike rides. We'll be back back and forth from the rink. Uh, I don't know that there's gonna be a whole lot of a whole lot of downtime to, to sightsee. I mean, maybe we'll go. Yeah, we'll go across. We're in Jersey City, uh, so we'll probably you know take a little gander across over at Manhattan across the water. Uh, mm. Wow. A little peek, little look around. That's all right. I don't know that there's anything that's going to be worth uh, sharing on the radio, though. I, I think mm. it's just going to be a pretty, a pretty <laughs> standard game day here in New Jersey. How Re- f-
0: rest I'll- and recoup. Yeah. How far is Utica <laughs> yeah. away from where you are? Maybe that's something you can check out. Utica. <laughs> you
2: put that on the list. Yeah. yeah Utica
0: I, is apparently
1: beautiful never, this time of year. Never been to Albany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's upstate I, New York, I, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
0: know. All right. I, fine, I, Matt. Well, I don't Albany I don't know. is, for not Utica. On my list. All right. Yeah, you, I
2: don't think Utica is going to be on my list. Yeah, no, it d-
0: doesn't sound like a glamorous place. Uh, Brendan Parker, no, flames, TV host. I'll take
2: your word for that. Yeah, on
0: the Atlas. No Pizza, wonder Johnny didn't want to Bar. go there. Yeah, guest hotline. Uh, great stuff. <laughs> great stuff, Brendan. Uh, enjoy the broadcast tonight. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk soon, pal. Thanks for this.
2: Ne- next time you guys give me a call, I'll be in Albany.
0: Okay, sounds go. good. Right now, yeah, he's checking he's out the sites. Big into U.S. politics. What uh, that's the state capital of New York State.
1: Albany.
0: Uh, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 14 um, time Consumer Choice Award, winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at atlas pizza 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Um, want to wrap up the poll question, Maddie Rose. Yeah. Outside of the blown leads, of course, what concerns you the most during this Flames five game slide? 229 votes. 50.7% of our listeners say top six wingers got to be better.
1: It's fair. It is. Um, I agree. I think they just need a little bit more from some of those guys. Like you look at the play from Dubé and Mongeponti lately, and I say, well, it's 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 not what we are seeing in the first five games of the season when they were zipping it around and they were great. Like that that line was dash two yesterday. And it wasn't an outstanding banner performance for them. I thought it took them a little while to get going. Um but that's kind of where I would look and say you could maybe do something there. You you need a little bit more from the top six right now. The other thing here too for the Calgary Flames and uh, how how much of a how much love did power play get? Not uh, much in, at in all. in
0: uh, not much at all because uh, the power play eight point three percent of people saying the power play is an issue and two point two percent are only saying it's the penalty kill and they've given up a power play goal in six straight games.
1: The Flames have scored a power play goal in five of their eleven games this season. They're five and zero when they score on the power play. They're o four and two when they do not score on the power play. The Flames are 0 for thirteen with the man advantage in their five losses this season. Seven for twenty two on the power play in their five wins.
0: Yeah, and last night I, I know like. I hate talking about the refs. Same. Like, uh, the Rasmus Anderson, that was a stupid, selfish penalty that ultimately cost the Flames the game. They
1: also missed a high-sticking he call on Blake Coleman minutes right. before uh, that. They and missed
0: a trip on Nazem Kadri. They also tripped
1: uh, a inter- missed an interference on Lindholm that was very similar to the penalty he took in overtime on Saturday.
0: The accidentally on-purpose trip on Markstrom by Sizikis, a guy who literally has a track record of tripping goaltenders and got
1: fined by it. Yeah. By the league. Not a banner night for the Zebras. Sure. But Move on. That
0: stuff always evens itself out. Yes through the course of a season. I hate blaming the officials for what happened last night, but at the same time, uh, aggressiveness like we saw in the first few games of the season. Remember when that fourth line where Richie, two straight shifts, drew two straight penalties. Yeah. In the third period, in the second period of
1: that game a few, a little while ago,
0: if you're being aggressive and pressing the other team and dictating play, they'll take penalties. Yeah. And I, I feel like there was too many stretches during this losing streak. Where it's just low event hockey for the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. Just not much is going on. Yep. I and would per, the, yeah. those things happen when you're not aggressive and you're not playing the Daryl style of, of a of a four check, you're not gonna draw too many penalties. And that's what we're not seeing. It's easy just to say, Oh, stupid refs. Well the stupid No, if if your team isn't pressing the envelope, and forcing the other team into mistakes and and causing penalties, Mm -hmm. you're not going to go on the power play. And that's what was so so successful for the Flames early on in the season is because they were forcing teams into into grabbing them, into hooking them, because they were so aggressive on the forecheck.
1: Yeah, and listen, the Islanders are 20th as far as penalties. like They're right in that middle kind of pack. They didn't take a penalty last night. They weren't given one. It is what it is. You move on. If the power play had got an opportunity, who's to say they would have scored anyways? Like, we've, like we mentioned, ice cold in this five-game losing streak.
0: Uh, the radio station's all over uh, the Flames and Devils tonight. Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian begins at 1 o'clock. The Pat Steinberg Telethon.
1: Four, who are we sponsoring uh, for, today? Uh,
0: for people afflicted with dry hands. People afflicted with dry hands foundation. Yeah, foundation. Two o'clock with Pat Steinberg, Aaron Vickers, then Steinberg and Lombardius. Puck drop just after five against the Devils. Flames, five-game losing streak. Devils. Six-game winning streak. Something's got to give tonight. We'll be all over this game tomorrow morning. We'll talk to you then. Uh, Our replay's next, which we love, too.
1: (laughs) No! No!
0: No! We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.